Gridiron Nation, I am back. George is in the studio. George is in the studio. People will understand what I mean here in a second. Sorry for the delay. I know things have been, uh, you know, kicked into like first gear. You know, where George, where's the content? You come out with a great TikTok clip, almost gets a million, and then you just disappear for a little bit. I work hard, people. I work hard. And I'm here with another hard worker. It proves, right, that if you're dedicated to this craft, you can make it a living. To my right, I have George Garcia in studio, host of MMA Junkie Radio. What's up, George? Hello, George. How are you? Thank you for having me. Oh, just doing phenomenal. It's just another great... I didn't say today's date. Today is November 17th, 2022. I always like to try to date my episode. So in case you're watching in the future, just know that our takes were still accurate. Yeah, and I want to give a shout out to Sammy the Squid because it's his birthday today. Sam. His name may come up later. Sammy the Squid. Yeah. Ooh, okay, okay. Um, so you primarily focus in the MMA world, correct? Yes, you, sir. You, how long have you been doing your show? Since 2007, April of 2007. We started, uh, I think it was the 11th, April 7, 2011. And so we just celebrated 15 years mm. earlier this year. Amazing. Congratulations. And we just celebrated... Our 3300th show about a month ago. Whoa. Episode or yeah. So do you, were you a person that like, I, cause I told people on my very first episode, I was like, I'm going to start chaptering the or I'm going to label the episodes zero, zero, zero one to, to show the people that I'm going to hit a thousand one day. Mm -hmm. Did you guys do that? Did you guys label your episodes like episode one, episode two, episode three? We did, but we didn't do the zero, zero one. And I'm not sure we thought we would go a thousand shows when we started. Mm. But what I did know was after year one, we would go a thousand shows because we basically banked about 250 shows a year. We, we were, we were daily mm. and it was fun. And so I knew, okay, it only takes four years to, to get to a thousand. We'll get there. So I knew it, but not on day one. For sure. And so this was, was this your own passion project from the start or was this something where like people were like, Hey, there's a there's this new like form of broadcasting where people are whether was it podcasting to start or is it just a radio show? It was podcasting to start. Okay. And in in 2006, well from from about 2002 to 2006, another show called Sound Off on MMA Weekly, a website that's still around. I know the people there. Shout out to those guys. Shout out. They um they had a host called sorry a, a show called Sound Off and they had a host called Ryan Bennett. Ryan Bennett was the guy that worked for an NBC affiliate in Central Coast of California, like San Luis Obispo, and a lot of people gravitated towards the website because it was only MMA Weekly, Full Contact Fighting, and Sure Dog. MMA Junkie didn't even exist yet, mm. and so a lot of people really gravitated to Ryan because of his uh, he was a proper broadcaster. He did sports, and at the time Chuck Liddell was the it guy, and he happened to live in San Luis Obispo. So he mm -hmm. kind of had a relationship with Chuck. He had access to Chuck, and he was doing a daily show on a podcast. What he told me was, he passed away. What he told me once was that his, that, uh, his neighbor, who also liked MMA, I guess was a, uh, a tech guy, and he said, I, I think Ryan used to record shows and then just put the audio file on his website, mm -hmm. and the guy told him, 
hey, you know, I could probably get you on live. Apparently, people are able to transmit a show on the Internet. And so Ryan goes, I'm all ears. And, and that's what they started doing. So we would listen to his one-hour show at 9 a.m., Monday through Friday, Pacific, live. And he picked up a guest fighter named Frank Trigg, mm. a good friend of John Orlando. Right. And so Frank had the gift of gab. I mean, he was a really, really good talker. Ryan and, and Frank did uh, probably, I don't know if together they did 1,000 shows, but they reached 1,000. Mm. And then in May of 2006, after UFC 60, a few days after UFC 60, all of a sudden I log on to MMA Weekly because I used to listen to the show. I used to call into the show. Uh, I listened in, and I found out that Ryan had passed away in a traffic ac- in a highway accident. Oh, tragic. Yeah. And uh, so, dude, I cried. Like, that well, was my your, thing. Yeah. I used to play internet poker. I had quit corporate America, and I used to play internet poker and watch and listen to Ryan. So it was, I, I kind of had a little bit of a routine. And when I logged on, because he had a real cool chat room, I just remember people saying, oh, my God, this can't be. It's got to be fake. You know, are you sure he survived? All, all that. And I remember, George, that the night before I had logged on MMA Weekly, and they had some popular forums, and somebody had posted something about Ryan Bennett crash accident, right? But I was, like, nodding off. Mm-hmm. And so I just kind of, like, I don't know if I clicked it or I just thought, you know, people were big time trolls back then. And I guess they yeah, are yeah, now. Yeah. And as soon as I saw existed. that on the chat room, I thought to that story, I go, oh, my God. So I already knew this was probably true and it turned out to be true. Um, and so by then I had forged a, a, a friendship with Frank Trigg. And about six months after Ryan had passed away, we myself and Goes, my brother, mm-hmm. we had breakfast with Frank one, one day and we said, hey, um, what are you going to do? Are you, are you going to bring back the show or what, you know? So again, six months later, you know, I, I felt like that was enough time to mourn and, Definitely. you know, we, it's not like we were asking him at the funeral. Hey, what's next? Right. And he goes, I don't know. I've had a few opportunities, this, that, whatever. And my brother goes, why don't you do it? And now I was just a fanboy, Right. Right. And I go, me, man, I could never do that. And then as I've done a lot in my life, um, I always remind myself that I can do anything. So as soon as I said it, as I was ending that, I, I, I thought, yeah, I could do this. You know, mm-hmm. I may suck, right. but I can do it. Yep. And I was looking to do something because internet poker um, was starting to not be as lucrative as it was because that was the Chris Moneymaker era. Ooh. Do you remember that? Are you a poker guy? I do guy? not. No, no, okay, no, no. So in, uh, sometime in like 2002, 2003, Chris Moneymaker was an internet guy, and he won the World Series of, of uh, Fighting. Poker? World Series of Poker. And he became a big household name, but he basically just had a, a great run. I'm sure he was a decent player, mm-hmm. probably one of the best players amongst his friends. For sure. But when you mix it up with these, you know, you need a little bit of luck and a little bit of talent. He just got hot. And so Chris Moneymaker, you know, everybody saw that and they thought, holy cow, I can win one of those bracelets. Mm-hmm. And so people started playing. People would have home games, all that stuff. People were logging on to party poker, full tilt poker, everything um, and playing. And so that's what I would do. And I was pretty good at it. Right. Because I was a pretty good poker player. But then you start realizing there's you can't read somebody body language, their eyes, their tells because they're online and online. It's more of a mathematics game. 
Right. All right. Probability. And so I realized I was losing probably the Russians, Scandinavians, 13 year old, (laughs) 12 year old, 20 year old that just had gigantic (laughs) balls. And their parents were the ones that were just giving them the money. And they were going in. And I mean, all in, all in, all in. Like, holy cow. You know, so I couldn't adapt to the game as much. Mm -hmm. So what used to be one of those where I could win like a tournament a day, like just a sit and go, 10 people. I was starting now to take more second places and third places. And I realized, okay, this money's going to start to go because I had made some money. How much was like a payout for an average tournament? So it depends because you could play 25 times 10. That's 250. First place would get uh, 70% of it, 20% and 10%. So, yeah, um, I guess 250, 175, I guess, would go to the winner. 50 would go to second place and 25 to Third, and right? how quick and are those games? Oh, they're they're pretty fast. The sit and goes are the best, right? Gotcha. And so when you paid, you paid your twenty five plus ten percent, two fifty, and they just dealt you the cards online, you know. And so you're playing and all that, and then every once in a while you're like, you know what, I'm gonna do a hundred. So a hundred times ten is a thousand. First place gets seven hundred. Mm. Second place gets two hundred, and last place gets third. And but this time it costs you ten stack. to get yeah. in. So the the system always made their money, right? And oh, they of just course. distributed. And you win enough of them that you're like, okay, this thing isn't rigged. You know, this thing's good. But, again, I started going from first and second and third to now uh, second and third to now, oof, lucky I got third, and I was starting to lose more. And that coincided with this thing happening with the show, and I knew I was looking to do something different. So you say the 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 poker game isn't working out for you then you have that realization that, hey, I could do this uh, regardless of whether it's good or not. Now, how instrumental was it like your brother in setting all this up? Was he like a part of it at first? I know he had mentioned it, yeah. but was he has he been a part of it since the jump? Since the jump. So my brother, he said, I'll produce it. And my brother's always been pretty savvy with the computer stuff, mm. but yet not like like not like on the level of Austin mm. and and Shout uh, out Travis to Austin back or there. whatever. Yes, of course. Um, but he, he was always kind of like the, the go-to in our home, maybe amongst our neighbors. He knew some stuff. And so what he knew was, A, I know MMA, and B, I'll just kind of hang back. But my brother at the time, when MySpace was popular, you remember MySpace? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I never used it. It was I before was Facebook. Facebook blew up. Yeah, yeah. So my brother was the infamous ghost from MySpace, and he was one of the top 10 bloggers on MySpace. Oh, no and way. So he had, clout? He had a big following, right? And so... A lot of those were from the MMA world as well. So right away we knew, well, between Trigg's audience and the MMA Weekly or whoever, maybe those listeners and goes, and then the, just us organically promoting it, we could have a base to start this and try it out. For sure. And that was the plan was like, let's just try it out and do it daily again. Trig wanted to do it daily. And... um and we'll see where it goes. And that that's kind of when we Man. were off and running. Yeah, no, I, I had similar type. I mean, you were listening at first, too. And I think that's like how a lot of these things start. And like I, I see myself as a pioneer for like the younger people and showing that hey, like this can be your reality a lot faster than you can think. Obviously, I got blessed by Sticky Paws and being able to to see it through. But I've always listened to sports talk radio. I always knew I wanted to be the person that people were listening to kind of have that same effect. You said you cried when you heard that that host died. 
how big of a following do you have now? And, you know, how crushed would people be if MMA Junkie Radio were to stop today? Well, how big? What was the first part? I was like, how how big of a following do you guys have right now? Like, um, well, once we went with MMA Junkie, like myself and Goes really aren't like phenomenons on the on the social media. Mm-hmm. You know, I think I have 20,000 on That's Twitter. Still, yeah. 3,000 on Instagram, whatever. For sure. Um, and my brother probably has maybe half on each one, right? The show's probably equivalent to what I do. But MMA Junkie has millions of readers to the site, 1.2 million on Instagram and mm-hmm. you know, all that YouTube. That That's pretty loaded, right? For sure. And um, now how many would, what'd you say? I Cry if I passed away? Yeah, or it just um, stopped, you know? Well, I would hope... <laughs> <laughs> I'd hope they they'd at least say, "Ah, oh, shucks," you know. I'm, I'm, that's a bummer, you know. I don't know if I, if I don't know if I could evoke that type of emotion from them. But what it was mostly, George was he. We, it's just something that became a habit, and it was a core group of at least fifty in the chat room, and then mm-hmm. whatever listeners that he had, and we all kind of knew each other. But here's what made it special. Ryan, when the UFC was often in either Las Vegas or mm-hmm. in the LA area, Anaheim area, he would say, hey guys, I'm going to do the show on the road. I'm going to be at the, we'll say the Anaheim Hilton, room 802, stop by and say hello. That's and they so would have cool. a little, his setup back then was, he would he had his headphone, he had his laptop, and then he had the hard wire connection. Yeah. And Trig would call from his cell phone and put himself on speaker. Oh my god! Right, and so that he would hold the speaker up to his the the his laptop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so then Ryan would also call fighters three way, and that's how they would get them on. So it wasn't it something that was super elaborate. So on one of those occasions, goes and I went, and when we were there, he was like, "Man, so and so was supposed to show up, but he hasn't shown up." Well, I saw I saw this other guy in the lobby. I told him, you know, he goes, "Can you see if you can get him?" Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's continuing to host the show. And so I'd go down to the lobby and I'd run into like two or three fighters and bring them all up. And at that time, those fighters, they weren't getting attention from Fox, CBS, uh-uh. ESPN, only the websites. So they're like, hell yeah, I'm going to make weekly sound off. I'll do it. So then they'd come up. We'd bring them up to the studio. And he was hotel so room. thankful, you know, or hotel room. <laughs> and he was so thankful studio for it. Fun. And and um, he, he made you feel like you were a part of the show. And that's what we wanted to carry. Mm-hmm. And that's why our show had to be a call-in show. Because people could call in, express their thoughts on the fights that happened, on the fights that were coming up, on the current news. And a few of them also kind of had a little bit of following. Because a lot of them were really funny, mm-hmm. passionate. Um, I used to call in a Jim Rome show years ago. It was called nice. The Jungle. You know? Oh, shit. So same thing. We were trying to create a little bit of that vibe. You mm-hmm. know, um, But by now, the, the internet is worldwide. Jim Rome show was just based in San Diego. And then he grew affiliates all over the country, but our show was worldwide, so you could have a guy from Scotland coming in, calling in, or that's sick, or Brazil, or United or States, or Ben Askren in studio like we've had here. Oh, I was holding up exact... though, George, George's yeah, not to not to no, shameless no, no, plug, yeah. but I do have the MMA Junkie app on my phone. Oh, mm. this even an app? There is Austin an app. would be crushed. He loves you guys too, by the way. Like I think you've thoroughly taken a liking into. This whole MMA. Well, He's I would cry if, if I found out Austin passed away. I mean, I think we all would. I think it would just be a stop. A my head day. can only get so big. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it was that was a tough question to ask you. I mean, I just I, I there's some things in life in which 
when you when it happens to you, it involves it invokes something inside of you that's like, I have to do that now. I don't know why, mm. but I'm just shifting everything that I'm doing to eventually lead up to that. I, I think crying is like one of the main things. Well, you Maybe. know, I um I don't know what it was, and I thought it was kind of a little bit bizarre, but I remember walking out to my front lawn and you know, I was just like, holy cow, like I remember I used to call it my show. Not that I was the host or anything. Yeah. But when people would go, what are you doing? I'm, I wouldn't say, oh, I'm listening to this show or whatever. I'd go, I'd listen. I, was, I always tell them, I'm listening to my show. And I felt like it was mine because it was like not too many people knew about it, but it was about something that I loved, which was MMA. Mm-hmm. And I felt involved because I was a caller. You right. Know? So when I would call in, like the chat room would say, Gorgeous George, you know, or whatever. And I would call in and say whatever I had to say. And then like another guy, Rick from New York, Sam from Pennsylvania, whoever. They'd call in and everybody just kind of rooted for each other. And and again, the host had no ego. He gave you a platform. He didn't make you feel like, oh, this bozo's calling in again. You know. Gotcha. And, and, gotcha. Uh, now Trig would do that. Trig would smash you. You got to have that let that little co-host yes. back and forth sometimes. So to, yeah, I mean it's it's healthy. It was fun though, man. It was That's, fun. And then when we would all get together and he'd post it on the internet, everybody liked it because you really felt a part of it and you could touch the fighters. And by that I mean like not literally, but yeah. In other words. That fighter would have a conversation with you. You know, like if you go to the Staples Center and you go, LeBron, come here, take a picture or an autograph or something. Man, he's got his glasses on, his headphones. You got no, you're getting no attention. You might, he might hear a hundred people say LeBron at the same time and he might just turn and wave, but that's it. Right. And in MMA, they'd go, what are you guys doing after? You guys going to grab breakfast or whatever? Because they, this sport was being born under Mm -hmm. our eyes. And so they loved the accessibility. We love the accessibility. I would say it still exists now. A little bit. And I would, yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I don't know if it's just we're so close to the UFC Performance Institute, and so we've seen so many fighters, but they're all people that are just genuine. All they do all day is just train. So they're they have a shit ton of free time. If I'm being honest, mm-hmm. but it's and then they're now they're gearing it towards being here at Sticky Paws. Shout out to Sticky Paws again because they they understand the world that we live in with this whole social media shit now the world that i never lived in was a world of like when people had to to bet with bookies you at a point in time you you were you were dealing with uh some of that space can do you have any like crazy stories that you can like elaborate on like what you were doing and like yeah you know what that feels like to that's a lot of pressure dude I've never really talked too much about this, but um, I've dropped hints on our show. Mm -hmm. And I think some people have put the two and twos together. And I think some of my personal friends who've rubbed, who've talked to some of our wound up being listeners. For sure. They joke enough about it that I think a lot of people have kind of captured it or whatever. Right. But yeah, I did used to take bets. And I did it since the early 90s. And the reason I did it is because I got in a hole with Sammy the Squid. So Sammy the Squid was my pretty much one of my best buddies in height from high the high school era. Okay. I got a lot of best friends, right? Gotcha. From different eras. But Sammy or his real name is I'm just gonna leave him at Sammy the Squid. I don't yeah, know Sammy if he the wants this shit up. Yeah, yeah. Sammy the Squid. But Sammy the Squid, him and I went to high school together and we lived close together. And so we partied together and uh had a few classes. Um so anyway we get a little bit older and we were, we were some Italian guy was taking bets from us. There was a miscommunication on a bet that was their fault. 
And luckily, they recorded. They used to record their phone calls. So I was right and they were wrong. But either way, we still agreed on a number that was higher than what we anticipated. So I got to give Sammy the Squid the credit. He He's the one that said, hey, why don't we take bets? for? Because I think he gave us two weeks to pay. Oh, shit. And he goes, why don't we take bets for two weeks? And let's see if we can make that money. Right. Because you know? obviously, we've been losing lately. So these casinos don't bi- get built because the... The people yeah, they win. Were fucking winning. And I go, okay, you know, whatever. So our buddies would call us to tell us who they wanted. And when, whereas we would usually call the Italian guy and say, this is what we want. Yeah. You know, all of these bets. We didn't do that. But we would tell our buddies, you're in. Right. <laughs> oh, and luckily, God. what they lost that week was enough to pay that guy. And it still left us like with a kitty of about, we'll call it 800 maybe. So we were like high five, and this was a few years after high school, you know. So eight hundred yeah. was a lot for us. No, seriously, yeah. And yeah. we thought, hey, let's just do it a few more weeks, and we did, and it grew <laughs> up to like another maybe thousand. And so we're like, why are we even calling this guy? Like, let's just do this. But it, it's not easy back then, dude. I was about now to say, now you just go on a website and go, and that's it, right? But before you had to sit on on a call, they'd answer, you'd give your code. And uh, then you'd say, okay, what's the rundown? Um, Lakers minus seven. Memphis minus six and a half. What's the total? Uh, 184 and a half. New York Knicks minus eight. Um, Boston, you know, this, that, yeah. whatever. You yep, get yep. to go you through the whole it. rundown. And, and the totals, right? And then they'd go, okay. Uh, some guys would go, I'm ready. Give me this and parley this. And you write everything down, you know? Or they'd say, I'll call you back, and then they'd be a little bit more organized, right? And as soon as you hung up, the next guy. As soon as you hung up, the next guy. You know, Because yeah, you only had call waiting, and that was it. And so you would just kind of do that stuff, and yeah. Um, that was Whoa. The, that was basically a so, part okay, of my life. How do the – so like the odds, that's the part that's always gotten me. Are you just setting whatever you felt like was your own odds, or were you using like – they, no. <laughs> you see a sports line and you're like, here's the this funny is what thing. we're fucking running with? No, here's the funny thing was one website that bailed us out was scoresandodds.com. Okay. It's still around. <laughs> but that site, I don't think I had a computer till 96 and or 95. That's like when the internet was kicking off, right, AOL right. and all that shit. Um, so what we would do is the newspaper had it, luckily. Ooh. And so you always had to have a newspaper on you. And then you always had to add a couple clean sheets of paper and some pens, you know, or whatever. Yeah. Um, and so you would basically read it off the paper to gotcha. them, right? Now, granted, if you have a little bit of time, you kind of open a notebook and kind of clean it up a little bit. Yeah. Because it was, you know, yeah, you be flipping pages. Fucking, and, yes. Yeah. And that's how we did it, basically. Whoa. So it was kind of like old school techniques back then. Damn. And yeah, no, like. Was there ever, uh, I mean, would you watch the games? Because that would be another thing, right? There's there's taking it in and knowing the, the stress behind it, but then there's, like, giving yourself the heart attack of watching some of the games and knowing, like, fuck, mm-hmm. he hits his three here. We're in a lot of, we're in some big trouble. Would you watch the games? Yes. Now, I won't tell you how long I did it, but I did it for a while. And when the early part of my run of doing this i did watch the games mm-hmm. i was into it yeah and it was stressful for sure 
because we weren't organized at all. And that plus 1800 could easily become minus 2400 Right. And then what are you going to do? Because if you don't pay, you lose your credibility. You know what I mean? You For always sure. have to play, pay, and that's how you keep those customers, and that's how those customers tell other guys, these are good guys. So it was pretty stressful. We would watch them. And it's funny because, again, I'm dating back to the starting with the early 90s, mid-90s. It wasn't now like where sports bars, the TVs are everywhere. So back then you'd have maybe one game on your TV. And the ticker? And the ticker. Oh, fuck. Can you imagine writing out the ticker? You're just like, shit, no, no, no. That just said Chicago. We got to wait for (laughs) it. I don't even think it was ESPN. I think it was CNN. We had the had the ticker, and then so you're oh, sitting there, right? Shit. Did you ever <laughs> did you ever watch uh, the movie um, uh, Carlito's Way? No, 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 not Bronx Tale. No. Oh, you're killing me, George. Fuck. Um, Bronx Tale is is a gangster movie, right? Okay. But in that movie, there's a character named Mush, Eddie Mush. Eddie Mush lost everything. Now, there's one scene where they're at the track meet, and all the gangsters are like, they bet on a, I think a horse called Kryptonite. And they're like, come on, Kryptonite, let's go, Kryptonite. And apparently he's got like a big old lead, you know, and they're all high-fiving. Bring it home, baby, because they're on the home stretch. Yeah. And all of a sudden, Eddie Mush comes, is coming down the stairs. Come on, Kryptonite, let's and go, Kryptonite. <laughs> and the gangsters saw that. They go, oh, man, we've been mushed. You ever heard that term? Mush? Yes. That's where it comes from. Oh, wow. And so what they do then is immediately Sonny, the leader of that pack, he just grabs everyone's tickets and rips them. And one of the young guys is like, what are you doing, Sonny? We got a lead. He goes, we can't win. We've been mushed. And sure enough, another horse comes up and beats Kryptonite, you know? And anyway, he oh, had, he, he kept going, now. come on, Kryptonite, come on. Hang in there. Hang in there. That's what Eddie Mush is saying, right? And it's funny because when we would watch the scores, we'd watch our game. We'll say Ohio State, Michigan. But there's big money on Pittsburgh or Iowa or something. And the way CNN would do it, is they would do it by conference. And so then you're sitting there, right? And they would say, like, USC, UCLA, Washington. Okay, that's the Pac-10. Now maybe Oklahoma, Texas, Texas Big Tech. Ten. Big 10. Oh, here, come the, here comes the uh, Big 12. That was the Big 12. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Here yeah. comes the Big 10. Yep. You know, and so now it's say, like, West Virginia or Northwestern. And we're like, hang in there because you could hear the, ne- the news guy going, <laughs> all right, so when we come after the break, we are going to talk about oh. the weather or whatever. And you're like, hang in there, you know. And all of a sudden, some, there's Eddie Mush right there. All of a sudden, uh, the uh, it would go to commercial, and you wouldn't get the score. Oh, so you had to wait again. That's, you had to wait till they came the back. Mushed. And then you're like, oh my god, oh. here we go. There's USC. There's UCLA. So it literally took you about five minutes to get that score you wanted. We oh had no god. cell phones. You did have one place you could call, and I remember it was a guy named Jack Price, and he'd go, hey, 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 what's up, man? I'm Jack Price. I'm 90 and 1 in the last two weeks. Give me 200 bucks, and I'll give you all the best plays, you know? And then, yeah. Man, you, they have not changed. No, no, no. It hasn't. It's all the same. You hit same. a button. They're all the for, same. And you're like, no, I don't want those. Just give me the scores. And then it was some guy that was fast. And so that guy would go, Iowa's beating Pittsburgh in the second quarter, 14 to 13. Uh, TCU's beating this guy. So you're like, what is he saying? What is he saying? Dude, and you're trying to run it down. Travis. I mean, and, Austin. This is. This is so fucking funny. Like they were, you guys were thinking about workflow and efficiency at a time where it was just like you had no means when, to do it. This is when we were like, it was so just out of high school and college. Oh. So we were partying, bro. You know, yes. like a Friday night, two a.m., three a.m., drunk. You know, and then one of us knew we had to wake up at eight a.m., 
get the newspaper, grab some coffee, have your pens and sheets ready. What a to, life. To do this. That's awesome. One or the other. Me or the squid had to do it. You know what I mean? And yes. one of us usually had a headache and we're begging the other guy to do it. Ugh. And so we went through that shit. And, man, we wrote on pizza boxes, paper plates, because we, <laughs> we weren't organized. You know, so it's like, give me give me something, man. Just hey, pass something. that paper plate. The paper plate. Yeah, the and you Iowa just line. write it. You just write Showtime or Boy, whatever. I got a website for you called Monday.com if I've ever heard somebody <laughs> that needs it. Dude, trust me, back man. in the day. So oh. that's what I told you. I mean, we can go on forever with those types of stories, but that it was really, really okay. tough back then. And that's and so funny. Now later on, right before I stopped doing this, I had reached a point where I didn't have to watch the games. And I still have friends that do this, and I tell them, I'm telling you, you'll be more at peace if you just go golf for five hours or go be with your family. You watching it ain't going to change it. But then some of those guys tell me, man, I just live for it. I, yeah. It's in me. I'm not going to change. And and that's true. As I've gotten older, it's tough to change people. But like I tell them, just try it a few times. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. The, the scores aren't changing. And nowadays it's easier because nowadays you just go, here's the website. Make your bets. We'll settle up in a week or whatever. You ain't doing shit. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? So all you're doing is sitting there drinking and watching. It's not like you're taking them or nothing like that. Yeah, I know. Um, but but I found that when I did that more, and then I also bet less, and I treated it more like a business, and I had notebooks, organizations, you know, spreadsheets mm-hmm. or whatever, and I would stay on top of it. That's, that's when all of a sudden I started doing better. Makes sense. Yeah. I mean, it makes sense. Yeah. But that that is uh, that's some good insight there. Would you mind if we do a new segment presented by Sticky Paw Studios? Yes. Since we are very workflow oriented, um, you are a 49ers fan. The 49ers were in the Super Bowl a couple of years ago. What do the 49ers need to do to get to the Super Bowl this year? If you're the GM, are there any moves? What do you want to see the team do? You know, the one that jumps out for sure is A, stay healthy. But. Everybody that listens to Gridiron Junkies has their own favorite team, and they're going, yeah, well, duh, so do we. But I'm telling you, we've been ravaged. I don't know if other teams get ravaged like we do, Mm. but we have been ravaged with injuries. Now, that said, last year we were 3-5, and and we went to the Super Bowl. This year I believe we were 3-5, and and now I believe we're 5-4 and now. Yes, yes, 5-4. and so guess what? It's it's reminding me of what happened last year, right? Um, we are starting to get healthy. We just got Debo back, Debo Samuel back. Christian McCaffrey, who was kind of hurt last year and then earlier this year for Carolina, he's playing for us. He's staying healthy. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's staying healthy. George Kittle's been healthy. Nick Bosa's been healthy. Um, we did have a couple DBs that are out for the year. Yeah. And that kind of hurt because we've always sucked at DBs. Not always, but lately. For sure. So finally, when we had some great DBs, all of a sudden it's like, ah, we're running with second string corners. You guys uh, have that the second coming of Troy Palomalu on your team. That off Afualu guy. Uh, he, Tafanga he or something yeah, like that. Tafanga. Yeah, Tafanga. There yeah. we go. There it is. Tafanga. He He's awesome, safety. man. He's from USC. Really? Yeah. Shit. Okay. So that's your college favorite college team, right? Yes, sir. Fuck, you are a Southern California. Well, the Bay Area. How'd that come about? How are we not a Raiders fan? Well, they're a Rams fan. I know, I'm just kidding. Uh, All right, so I did start off as a Rams fan because they played like 10 minutes away from us. But like in 79, they went to the Super Bowl. And the following year, they they had what's called a holdout because Chris, sorry, Vince Ferragamo was their quarterback. Mm -hmm. And they had a holdout or whatever. And that kind of really turned me off. 
around that time, or maybe just before, their owner, Carol Rosenblum, was a man, Carol. Mm-hmm. He passed away. Georgia Rosenblum, his wife, took it over. Georgia became Georgia Frontier, who was the owner of the Rams, right? And I'm telling you, where they sucked was holdouts, constant, constant holdouts. Shit. Right? Now, That's at the annoying. same time, That's for sure annoying. I loved OJ Simpson because I was a USC guy. Didn't every single this white before, woman. Now, did he do it? This is before OJ partook in other activities. Oh, so right? you're saying he did it? I think so. Oh, okay. Pretty, pretty obvious. Um, I think almost he said it, but. Um, His book, If I Had Done It? Yeah. So anyway, I, I really loved OJ Simpson. OJ Simpson comes to the 49ers in 79 or 80. And um, Joe Montana, who was a Notre Dame guy. Yeah. And tuned us up a couple times. I was like, man, I wish we had him. And he went to the Niners. Ronnie Lott went to the Niners. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to root for the Niners because these Rams just don't have their act together. Super Bowl team. And there was constant, like, there was always these holdouts, you know? That's Even Eric Dickerson. Shit. I don't know if you remember him. Yeah. Another holdout. It was constant holdouts. And so we were just a team that was tight with their money, mm. didn't pay. And in San Francisco, you could tell the owner back then, Edward DeBartolo Jr., who got in some trouble later in his years, that guy would do anything to make his team win. And that's what I liked about it. And so what wound up happening was I wound up sticking with him. Now, the Raiders had a run in the in L.A. in the 80s where I was kind of watching them. I see you, you know, because I really like yeah, the local teams. For sure. And Marcus Allen, who's one of my favorite players, too, he was with them, another USC guy. Yep. So I won't lie. I probably rooted for them a little bit. But by then, I think I had established the Niners were my team, you know, and, and even it's, though you still root for a few other teams, for this sure. was my squad. It's funny you say that. I'm a little reversed than you. Like, you said that Joe Montana coming from Notre Dame kind of, like, imprinted that on you. I'm a Notre Dame fan, but I became a Saints fan because of Reggie Bush. Like, How about I, that? I watched Reggie Bush tune up fucking yeah. the Notre Dame year after year after year, and then... That like, can happen. That's like that I don't. Awesome. I hated Larry Bird, but I wished we had him. Right when I was a Laker fan, mm. I hated Michael Irvin, but I wished we had him. Not necessarily because we needed him, because we had Jerry Rice, but I loved his passion. Right, you know what I mean. And sometimes the you swagger. see some of the guys, yeah, yeah, the swagger. Because I, I I used to follow him at Miami of Florida, and then with the uh, with the Cowboys. So, you know, there's a few that play for other teams where you're like you can't stand the other team, but you respect a few of their cats. Oh, no doubt. No doubt. Uh, I'm going to do another new segment presented by the Truly Bizarre Podcast. That's the podcast, or no, the show, YouTube channel, that uh, Austin, our engineer, has. Um, so I'm going to show you a bizarre play from a couple of weeks ago. I want you is to... That, is that the one where they hunt down the Loch Ness Monster or something like that? Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't do any hunting, is, but yes. I saw that. putting out a reward. If I didn't make it, you said $10,000. Yeah, I, if you I, can bring will, back the I will bring $10,000 to you if you bring me the Loch Ness Monster. To like here to Sticky Paw Studios. Austin, now that does not mean send bring Austin. you the actual Loch Ness monster. Yeah, I don't have. Yeah. You think I have ten thousand dollars just laying around? Well, you know how difficult it'd be to just find the Loch Ness monster. There you go. That'll give me here? enough time to get the ten grand. Austin, you might as well offer him ten million. I uh, happen. I will double that. I'll double that. I'm gonna double that ten thousand. I'll, I'll chip 20. in ten million if you bring the Loch Ness monster. He's here. gonna chip it. So now we're at 10, 10, 10 million and twenty thousand. Two thousand. Ten million. Two thousand. Oh, twenty thousand. You're right. Double that. Should we double that? Fuck that. I think John Play Orlando said 100 clip. mil. Play the clip. Play the clip. This is a bizarre play that happened a couple of weeks ago. Um, I want fire. you to see the offensive lineman. Oh, knocks, his own guy. Knocks out his own guy. Wow. Have you ever seen that? 
where a, a football player tackles his own player? Uh, I probably have. I've watched As so a much Niners football fan, you should. I, that I have. I just can't like recall a specific incident, uh, especially if it didn't involve like famous players. And I, I just can't seem to think of there one. Was, uh, I wasn't alive for this because I was born in 97, but my dad, who is a Chargers fan, told me when we played the Niners in the Super Bowl in 94, two of our players ran into each other like two safeties. Oh, shit, and probably well, left them wide open. One yeah. of the more famous plays, the Immaculate Conception. Or the Immaculate Reception. Catch. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I think you what I think some Pittsburgh guys and Oakland guys collide. The ball pops up, and Franco Harris catches it and scores on Oakland, and they go to the Super Bowl. Like right. That's a big play. I just can't remember if it was two Oakland players or what, but I know there was a collision between players that made the ball pop out. It was two Oakland players meeting at the was ball, it? and there it, you go, and it popped backwards. But no, 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 so like that shit happens all the time. Shout out to the Truly Bizarre. Make sure you guys watch them for all of your myths and lure. I don't know fetishes. Is that would be the best way to describe that? <laughs> I'm gonna start calling it that, but no, it's it's for yeah. all your cryptid and conspiracy theories. I needs. saw the most recent yes. one, something having to do with goats or. The Goat Man. Yeah, the Goat yeah, Man. Yeah. I think Tom Brady will turn into the Goat Man. After watching that episode of his, the way he, they talk about the way that he looks. Tom Brady's already the Goat. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. I think they say, right? Just not with wives. But, no, she's already moved on. Did you guys see that? Yeah, dude. Now she's fucking kinda a jujitsu instructor. That kind of sucks. I think you should take your time with that when you're famous. Nah. <laughs> I mean. No, I not mean, that Tom Brady cares. I mean, maybe he does. He definitely it's, it's cares. It's not like he does. It's not like he can't just walk out into Tampa and, and get some some tail, right? Oh no. However, no. they got kids. Yeah. And that I don't know that that's that great of a look for you know like like how already does, moving on that. Kid. How does the kid like you know you kind of kind of keep that shit under wraps? Like I didn't see the pictures of Giselle and the, but they're all like on the beach in Brazil or some shit. It's yeah, because like, if we just rewind, like, remember in preseason Tom was spending time with the family. Mm-hmm. So literally four months ago, they're they're a family. Then all of a sudden they go through this quick divorce, and all of a sudden she's moved on, and she's willing to put it out there. Like I don't know about that one. Uh, yeah, Tom's no, okay; he's a big boy, but eh, I don't know about her. Man. He's two and zero since the divorce has been finalized, so he's winning the divorce currently. If he wins a Super Bowl ring, will like that's the ultimate fuck you to Giselle. Like now, now that's. The best movie of all time. He left New England. He goes and wins in Tampa. He gets a divorce. He gets another fucking ring. And I think, and I, I hate. And another my, supermodel? My, dude, he could have whoever he wants. I would like to see him with like a black girl though. Like I would like to like. Travis Kelsey? Like throw us off a little bit. Does like, Travis Kelsey have a black yeah, girlfriend? Yeah, yeah. yeah, Travis Kelsey is invited to the cookout. Travis Kelsey's about to cook out. Well, no, I who, just are think hot, would be, who are the hot available black gals? Right I think now? Halle Berry would be a good choice. Aren't for they her. like she's in the same 53 age? or so, 52. She's about my age. Yeah, but I don't. I don't think Tom's into like the younger. Like he's I think more he's about like the prestige. Fuck that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he was dating a girl that left him in four he's more months. about the reckoning. Yeah, yeah. He like he definitely needs to one up her, right? Jujitsu instructor. You can't do anything less than. Yeah, that's. He should get with Let's the guy that the beats road. that jiu-jitsu instructor. He should go gay for that guy. Yeah. <laughs> Whoever beats the jiu-jitsu instructor, like, that's who Tom Brady's Whoever knocked him out. Did you guys ever see the movie Tombstone? No. Oh, because they bring Not in a up, long time. They bring up the reckoning. That's why when I said it and you kind of smiled, I was like, oh, he gets it. The okay. reckoning. I've, yeah. I mean, I just know. The it. reckoning would be it's the, um, you become a legend. 
because got you. So you're not doing it for the money or for some you're doing it for the reckoning. So if, okay. if he were to get Halle Berry and someone were to go, well, you know, there's like there's like a 33 year old supermodel. Why didn't you get her? Well, no one knows her. Everyone knows Halle. That's doing it for. So the I'm reckoning. doing it for the reckoning. You know, like okay, okay, okay. lifting my legendary status. I feel it. I feel it now. Yeah. Uh, now the very last new segment that I'm going to do for us today is I see that you have a lot of sports knowledge. Um, I want to tell you a modern day player, and I want you to tell me who they remind you of. All right. Yeah. Let's start with Derrick Henry. I mentioned him earlier. Uh, Eric Dickerson, and I'll tell you why. Because Eric Dickerson, D- Derek Henry's about six three, right? Yeah. I mean, he's big, and he runs kind of upright a little bit. Yeah. And that's how Eric Dickerson was. Eric Dickerson played for the L.A. Rams when they were in Anaheim, and he happened to live at a place called the Aspens, which was close to where we used to go ball all the time. So a few times we saw him, and he was tall. He's from SMU. He was mm. tall, and he ran kind of upright like that. Now he wasn't as thick as Derrick Henry. For sure. But it was it's the way they run kind of upright, kind of being yeah. taller, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely I, I would say stiff. Eric Dix- Dickerson is is one guy. Now, the way Derrick Henry runs over people, I guess now I probably would would think of guys like like uh Earl Campbell or whatever. But see, he was more of a compact guy, I would say. For sure. Cause yeah. Derrick Henry still has a little bit of that finesse to him. He yes. that would be a good hybrid, right? Mm-hmm. Now let's go with Jimmy Garoppolo. Jimmy Garoppolo who would be a good comparison to him? He is not as bad as people think. Well, he's a winner. He's got a good regular season record. Mm-hmm. I think in the playoffs he's he's gone three to and two or NFC like Championship. I think, and he's got away games wins. Twice. So you know when you can win playoff games, that's a big deal. Dak Prescott, I think, is zero and four. Yeah, in playoff games, <laughs> fucking weak. You know what I mean? So he gets paid weak. a lot of money, and it's not that he's not good. But you're going to be judged on your playoff wins. Mm-hmm. Uh, but Jimmy Garoppolo is a little bit different because Jimmy Garoppolo is not big. He's like 6'1", 2'10", I think. And that's why he gets hurt a lot. The first guy I thought about was a guy you're probably not going to remember, but he was he was a quarterback for the uh, Vikings named Tommy Kramer. He just wasn't big, but he was a gamer. He was tough. Was that back in the Chris Carter days? Probably before that. Gotcha. Yeah, if you think about it, Aaron Rodgers – is similar to Garoppolo in stature. He's not a big guy. Right. But that dude's a superstar. That's why I won't put him in the same sentence. For sure. But the build is the same. Now, Garoppolo doesn't have a strong arm. The other day, he threw a, th- a, t- a 10 and out, and I thought the Charger guy was going to take it to the house. That thing just floated so slow. And you're just like, and it got to him, you know, but I thought for sure he was going to get picked. He doesn't have a strong arm. For sure. Okay. Okay. But he's a winner. He finds ways to win. He's just, I don't know. He's not. Always the most clutch guy. He's a little inconsistent in that department. That's why San Francisco did all those trades to get Trey Lance. That is true, and I don't like Trey Lance at all. I thought when I was asking that GM question, you might say like, "Fucking get rid." Like, let's buy into Jimmy G. I don't. I didn't. I didn't understand that part. But we'll we'll move on to the next. I think because he, he he was fragile and fragile and not always clutch, and that's not a good combination. Ah, people are so harsh. I know it's your own team. Well, he was out for it's, a whole year one time. Correct. And but he just picks up these little injuries, man. He's just he's just not a built guy. And I think what the uh, you know the game's changing a little bit. The running quarterback's so important and very and, true. And I think Shanahan saw something in Trey Lance. You know, he was ready a little to, bit of like scrambling. Yeah, yeah. You, and this guy gets paid a lot of money too. 
True. What's his name? The guy from uh, from uh, Minnesota right now, Kirk Cousins, yeah. has a similar build to to this guy, but he doesn't seem to get his hurt as much. But they're very much in the same range for me too. Yeah. Kirk Cousins and Jimmy Garoppolo, one in the same. Yeah. Let's go to George Kittle. Man, uh, physical blocker. He's not. He's not like Gronk or Kelsey, where they're like six five. Monsters, yeah. right? He's a little more slender. He is a little bit more slender. So I'm going to tell you what I like about Kittle, and that'll buy me time to find a tight, tight end to compare him to. But what I do love about him, and he, what he brings toughness to our team, and I don't know if you know this or not, mm. he loves to block. Yes, Most tight ends want to chip someone, go out, catch the ball, and score touchdowns, right? Most tight yeah. ends. He gets off on blocking and he gets off on blocking downfield. A lot of guys, again, let's say they're running it or they're throwing it and they block them. And then you see two guys kind of like do the tango. They just hold each other like we're not involved yep. in the play. No, he's trying to drive you. He's trying to drive you 10 yards down the field and then push you down into the ground. That's become contagious with the Niners. And now other receivers are doing the same thing. And they're all high-fiving each other. And it all started with George with Kittle. That. Yeah. So... I'll give you a comparison. I th I'm thinking Dallas Clark, old Colts tight end, 44, never used to wear gloves. I don't remember him too well. Uh, yeah, no, no, no. He he was in the in the similar similar vein. Maybe Jay he, Novacek from the Cowboys a little bit. Mm. He was only about six three, and I think that's about where, what Kittle size is for sure. For sure, he blocking of Jason Witten, but he's faster than Jason Witten. Yes, correct. Yep, yep, yep. Um, okay. Christian McCaffrey. I heard a funny comparison on this one, and this will be the last one. Does he have to be white? <laughs> no, he doesn't have to be white. Okay, so I really like the guy named um, Meggett, Dave Meggett. He played for, like, the Giants, Philly, I believe. And so he wasn't, like, a 1,000-yard rusher, mm -hmm. but he was more like um, – Every down back, is that what he called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you could give it to him, and he, you know, he can get you a few yards. But where he was more dangerous was, you know, like those on, little on screens, yep, or misdirections because he was just quick, reliable, dependable. He won't miss a block in case somebody blitzes. He knows the playbook, but at the same time, you can't rush him 30, 30 times. Otherwise, he's going to get hurt for sure. For um, sure. Maybe Ricky Waters, except Ricky Waters was bigger, but Ricky Waters again could run it or catch. He was a a threat in many ways. Yep, yep. And you guys. He played for Notre Dame, Ricky Waters. Really? Yeah, I'm look like uh, 89, 88. I'm going to make clips of this, so like I'll, I'll show comparison. I'll do a little side-by-side, -side, so mm -hmm. we'll see how good you did. We'll see what the people think. Georgia, it's been a pleasure sitting down talking with you today. It's been a pleasure to get back in the groove. There was no better way to do like my first podcast back in studio. I think it's been, a, been like a week and a half. It's a long time for me because I'm I usually go been a like, week and a half. Yeah, since I recorded one. But why are we ending, man? Let's give another five minutes. <sighs> Do you have any other crazy? I have stories? a good story for you that I think I'm ready to finally come clean on. Oh shit! Because I think what I'll do is I'll wind up forwarding this <laughs> oh, to my shit. buddy, um, Sammy the Squid, and I. We had a uh, a bookie ourselves, right? That's why we weren't successful early on because we. Um, gambled our winnings so whatever we won we would kind of turn over to the next guy mm -hmm. uh, on this one occasion him and i got in a hole and we were probably down like 
three or four thousand. That's that's what we were gonna have to give the guy the following Friday. Gotcha. Um, I'm just gonna call him Br, right? And um, so we were like, dude, what are we gonna do? Because we didn't have three or four grand, right? But we and we didn't want to go on the payment plan. Um, so we were like, what do we do? And and Squid was having a birthday at his house, and everybody was invited to that house so what we did was we did one final like 500 on this team 500 on that team 500 on the other team and then round robin all of them and then i think even a three-teamer and what this was going to do was just kind of get get the debt manageable to like maybe down 800 or so we'd each come up with 400 and just pay the guy right for sure but what we did was um we told him that we did the opposite so we bet it with him, but I think we told him that someone else had put it in and that um, we needed help booking that bet. Right. So every time the team that we needed to do good did bad, we had to do the opposite emotion. So I know oh, one of them had to do with a late Miami, Florida, and I think Oregon State game. So this was back in the De- Dennis Erickson or whatever. Mm-hmm. So in that case, we'll say, I think we needed Miami. And if Miami did something good, we'd be like, fuck. Oh, this is such bullshit. Because he's under the impression that, yeah, that we're the in it side. with him and oh we're booking, right? God. So we had to do that for almost four hours because I think they went into overtime. And every time Oregon State did something good, we uh, – wait, Oregon State, we had to fake it. Uh, and then – Every time Miami, yeah, you know what I mean. Though, yeah, right? yeah, yeah. You, so we, we really were rooting for Miami. Holy shit! And when Oregon State did something good, we should. Be, yeah, we're high fiving, high fiving, drinking, doing <laughs> shots. Woohoo! This is gonna work out. That sucker, you know, he's gonna owe us a lot of money. But we we're in, in reality, we were the suckers, <laughs> right? And so we're faking you were drinking it. Your so you're crying. We're hey, and every time we'd at least go piss or something, we'd be like, bro, I can't keep this up any longer. Because sometimes we'd almost like mess up right like fuck you know and he's like what do you mean that's good you gotta just and i'm like yourself. fuck why didn't we take more of a bet you know like so <laughs> we had to like kind of clean it up improvise or, or whatever and so it, it was just so funny because it was for three and a half hours and then we're getting buzzed and we're trying to like make sure we had our emotions right you know for the yeah. for the opposite team oh my but yeah God. we basically had to do it and then at the end he goes man we almost had him we're like yeah we almost had him Oh, well. And then as soon as we walked out the door, him and I are like hugging Let's and dancing. Go. Yeah, I think we did the math. We don't even know him that much, you know? I'm like, bro. So we never told him. He's a really good friend of ours. We never told him. But this story's at least 30 years old. So, <laughs> so it's he won't remember it, I don't think. Statute no. of limitations what, is not what a thing. I, up. What he might remember is where we saw it. Um, but I don't know if he'll remember the whole situation. But it was one of those probably where if that game don't hit, you know, we probably may have owed him six, oh. but because it did, I think it was cut almost it down. even. Or, or oh yeah. shit, man, cut it down. I'm on a current cold streak that it's okay. Hear, hear me out. Is it better to bet parlays, sprinkle your money on parlays, or dump your money on to just a straight bet? Straight plays are the way to go. All the sharps in town will probably tell you that. However, that said, I play parlays. I still play straight plays, but for sure. But the reason I like parlays is because uh, I 
I'm not an official better. Mm-hmm. And so maybe if I did it and did my due diligence, then I would stick with the plan and just do that, right? But because I'm just the guy that hosts MMA here, has a girlfriend, has friends and family, man, I'm just doing stuff last minute. I'm not studying or yeah, nothing, right? Facts, I just kind of go off basically a hunch or what my buddy tells me. So what I want to do is I want to bet little and win a lot. So, you know, like a $25, $50 five-teamer, and if it hits, you win 2000 And if you lose, then here's the 50, 50 bucks, you know, right, or whatever. Right. You know, maybe you, you probably make a few more yeah, bets. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what I do like to do and I've done well with is money line. Mm. So when I take the dog, like, for example, just last week, Dallas at Green Bay. Dallas was minus three and a half. Most people would say, oh, well, Dallas is hot and Green Bay has been sucking. Give me Dallas. Others would go, no, 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 no. There's a reason the line's that. And a lot of games wind up at three. Give me Green Bay plus the three and a half. I'm the guy that goes, fuck the points. I'm just going to take Green Bay on the money line. If it's already that close of a line. Parlayed with, yeah. You know why? Because when I first started doing the show at Mandalay Bay, I grabbed one of those racing forms or gambling digest. I don't know, right? So I was waiting for my buddy. We are going to go to lunch. And then it was an article that said, I've been having success with money lines. And I started reading. And then he did an in-depth study like the previous 10 years that most of the time when the dog covers, um, they didn't need the points anyway. Yeah, and those times that they didn't need the points, fuck. When they're multiplied over in parlays, they'll make up for the times. Oh man! So like, let's That's say you had Green Bay plus three and a half, and the game was thirty to twenty nine and a half. You'd be like, yes, I won, right? And I'd be like, fuck, I lost because I took them on the money line. Well, that's going to happen a few times where I'm going right. to wish I had taken the points. But a majority of the time, but then there's going to be some other times where my money line play is going to. I only need to win five of those. You need to win seven of yours. So For sure. you see what I'm saying? No, that and when is, you multiply it over. That's interesting. That's yeah. why you can get $25, $50 parlays that pay like $2,000 because because of that. You can't do too many money lines. For sure. You know, yeah, but you yeah. can do a couple. And I like Points to call matter. myself the new MLK, Money Line King. <laughs> oh, you heard it here first. MLK is in the building George Garcia, thank you so much for being on, man. This was Thanks awesome. for having me, guys. Yep. Make sure you guys go and follow MMA Junkie Radio um, and follow Gridiron Junkies on all platforms. We've hit 3,000 YouTube subscribers. The next goal is 4,000. I want to get to that before we hit the new year and then possibly 5,000 by the time the Super Bowl happens. Realistic it's happen. goals. Realistic goals. We're going to make it happen because you guys keep sharing, liking, commenting, if you like me personally, follow me at Mr. George Carmona. If you like Austin, Austin, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me on Instagram at AlvarezProdLV. And I plugged him earlier. Yeah, you can find me. And I plugged. I yeah, plugged yeah, yeah. No, you products. can find me and all of my spooky friends at The Truly Bizarre on Instagram, Twitter. Not Twitter. Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Boom. Sticky Paws Studios is where we're recording out of. If you want Sticky Paws merch. Uh, the link will be in the bio. Ladies and gentlemen, I'll be back, possibly do a live stream today. Thad's thoughts for Thursday night. And uh, we'll be back in the studio Sunday night uh, with Cameron to do a recap of what happened this weekend. George Carmona, Gridiron Junkies. I'm out.